To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. One-handed catch and a touchdown! DeAndre Hopkins! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go! Over the shoulder, catch by Kirk in the end zone for a touchdown! Oh! Oh, baby, how's that feel? Here's Craig Grealou, Mike Jurecki, and 13-year NFL veteran Drew Stanton. We certainly don't do this enough, but is there a better moment than now for a little story time with Drew as we begin today? The scouting combine is back. After a one-year absence, every team is represented. More than 300 draft prospects are in Indianapolis. And we flash back to 2007. Now, I don't want to date yourself here, Drew, but uh, that's quite a ways back. And I'm sure it's changed a lot since then. But this is a big week, and maybe not so much, at least for me. And I know MJ probably disagrees, but I don't pay particular attention to the on-field It's more of what do you get out of the interviews, what do you get out of the medical evaluation, but there's going to be a lot of news, a lot of information coming out this week, but what do you remember going back to 2007 in your scouting combine experience? Oh, man. I, I, uh, you know, I remember a lot of things, some things I try to forget, other (laughs) things, uh, I mean, it is just controlled chaos right you you get herded in like cattle they give you your room number you show up with a roommate and then all of a sudden they give you a card of different places you have to go at night and then there's this train station that i'm sure the super fans know about that you go in at night and they start picking you off and pulling you over to the table in a position a coach might talk to you a general manager a front office guy you take all these different aptitude tests of personalization of okay you go here and try and memorize three numbers and then i'm going to switch around and try and remember as four numbers so they're trying to do all these different tests i mean there's so much poking and prodding and all these things and then at the very end the nfl network shows up and they're like all right go run a 40 go run a three cone go throw some routes and i was like man like the television what you see on tv versus what it actually is like to live through it and i remember lining up to run my 40 and i was like look up in the stands like all of these people are about to watch me run 40 (laughs) yards and I don't know how it's going to go. Uh, and, like, you've trained. You've done all these things. They've taught you all these things. Okay, you put your hand in like this. You start like this. This is how you try and jump the count. Leave your hand on the clicker as long as possible. The left hand's got to go straight back. But all of these things, and then you get done, and you go do the three-cone, and nobody's watching it because it's not that interesting to watch. <laughs> and that was, like, one of my best things that I did. My vertical jump, I cheated on so bad. I don't care who's listening. I had sweatpants on. I don't think you can wear sweatpants anymore. And I had sweatpants on and bent my knees and reached my arms barely up over my head. And I just got over the 30 or 30 and a half because it's right here. That's all I wanted to do. I, God blessed me with a lot of different things and abilities, talents, all these things. Vertical jump is not <laughs> one of them. And I had to get that off the books right away. So it was good. It's funny, MJ, on how this, as much information as teams gather, this has become a made for TV event. And, you know, starting on Thursday, as far as when the on field workouts begin through the weekend, there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on all of these drills and getting to know these draft prospects probably for the first time if you didn't watch a lot of them in college. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, yesterday was the tight ends, wide receivers, and quarterbacks, and they won't touch the field until later in the week. And so you get prodded and you got to go through all these exams. And, 
you know, this could be it for Indianapolis. I think the NFL would uh, actually try to uh, have different cities uh, put in a, 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 you know, a permission or at least uh, you can bid on it, and I think Arizona would be a great spot. The thing is why Indianapolis has made so much sense is because you've got the hospital right next to the uh, the dome, and then they bring in these trailers where they have MRI and CAT scans. You can do that anywhere, so it would be interesting to see in the future. But, yeah, um, at the end of the day, I think it's more about the interviews, getting to know the player, the person, put them on the chalkboard, regardless of position. What were you thinking here? How does he process information? And, again, two things I really don't know, what's between the ears and what's in the chest. By the way, the Dallas Cowboys have already come out publicly and said, hey, we would love to have the combine <laughs> in our area, so we'll see where this goes after this season. But, again, a year ago, there was no scouting combine. Everything was basically the world was all virtual through Zoom. So looking back at last season, director of player personnel for the Cardinals, Drew Grigson, talked about how the Cardinals dealt without a combine a year ago. I credit our scouting staff because, I mean, they were scouting from their offices at home, from their kitchens, mm. from the basements. And um, and we, we pulled in quite a bit of information, didn't have a chance to interview the guys in person. So what uh, Quentin Harris and I did is we put together um, basically a combine-style interview process that we, that we did from the draft room. Mm. So instead of having players brought in in front of us one by one, we did it over Zoom. And that was, again, Director of Player Personnel Drew Grigson a year ago last offseason joining Paul Calvisi and Ron Wolfley on the Big Red Rage. So back in person, Drew. So hopefully, knock on wood, things a little bit back to normal. But being in person versus having a job interview over Zoom, how difficult do you think it was a year ago for those draft picks, i.e. Zayvon Collins, and now all of a sudden, now some semblance of normalcy here? Yeah, well, I think it's completely different because of that face-to-face contact. And so much of what the combine is or what it has been in the past before last year is I view it this way, and this is what I tell people that are going, that are prepared for it. They show up and they want to – every NFL team, 32 teams, are looking for a reason not to draft you. They are looking for – to red flag you in some way, shape, or form. That's why they go through the medical checks. That's why – so don't give them a reason not to draft you. So go, you go via Zoom, you're in a box, you get this you know, carbon copy. And again, agents, all of these facilities you go to, the exos of the world, these training facilities, they have all of these people. They know exactly what's going to happen. So they have these guys as prepared as possible for the interview process. And I remember going to different teams or doing different things. They try and trip you up. It's not a very straightforward question. They're strategic about how they go about things, how they do things, because they're trying to peel back those layers and get down to that true sense of the player they're trying to draft. So if you're trying to do that via Zoom, it's very hard from a team perspective. It's very easy from a player's perspective because it kind of gives you the opportunity to not have to put it all out there. And you're doing this, and it's a much easier way in a controlled setting as opposed to, I remember, like I said, you get this note card, and you got to be to room 32 at 8.15 p.m., and you can walk in, and all of a sudden you get there, and it's like the New York Jets, and you're like, okay, I don't know anything about these guys, right? And by the end of the week, though, like you're talking to your buddies, okay, like, hey, where'd you go? What do you, what do you, what do you have lined up? And I got some of my stuff knocked out at the Senior Bowl, so it was great. But I sat down one time, and I remember Eric Mangini's, there's 15 guys in the room, and he's like, hey, um, tell me everybody's name in the room. And you're like, excuse me? And he's like, well, you just met everybody. It's important to know what's going on. And I was like, 
I've met a thousand people by this point. Like I, <laughs> I, I know. Okay, I know that the head coach is him, and I know that you know, uh, you know, all of these things. But I don't. I couldn't tell you everything. And they just try and put you on the spot because they want to make you uncomfortable. You're not going to be uncomfortable on a Zoom call for the most part. If you're prepared, you're doing everything you should do. So that's the biggest thing. And again, it's just all wrapped into one. Like you said, that with the medical components of what's going on. When I was at there when, in 2007 when I went to it, there's guys getting MRIs at 3 o'clock in the morning because it's limited facilities. They'll pull you out of bed to make you go do this or recheck this or do any of that, and then at the very end you have to go run. Now technology is as such that you can do everything right in Lucas Oil's parking lot and get all of the images you do. So, you know, it's changed, and that's allowing it to become another way of the NFL just having a product year-round that becomes marketable. And I don't think people realize they get you up at 5 a.m. Um, in your nights. I think teams can interview until 10 or 11 yeah, at night. Yeah, no, that's awful. Yeah, I mean, you're just you're basically you're just following the guy in front of you. Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask you: When did it come more prevalent to where guys, you know, some guys obviously tap out of bowl games if they're going to be a high pick? We're seeing a lot of juniors get out to get that second contract. But when did it come prevalent to where these guys? Uh, they go to L.A. and even Arizona. They work out. They they know everything they're going to do with the combine, and it's not cheap. Yeah. But their agent's paying for it because they're obviously hoping they're going to be a first-round pick. Was it happening as you in your career? Yeah. No. I mean, I was. I think that when you start to see all of these things, because again, they know exactly what the schedule is going to look like. I mean, you you knew what you were going to do. And we even had combine prep days, right, where we would be in combine mode. And I went down to a facility down in Florida at Pete Bomarito's place. I still have a great relationship with him. But he's one of those places, like the exoduses of the world, that these guys come in and they are machines at this point. They know everything completely tailored to what's going on. And we had long days down there, right? Like they were drawn out for a reason. And it got to the point where you're doing everything, but it's so strategic on body fat percentage of getting in the bod pod, okay, and guys that had to put on weight or keep weight or maintain or all these different things, and then you go to these various rooms and do all of it. But these guys are so trained when they get there, they can just go on, and because they've been preparing it since their college season was done, right? Like I, I didn't go to a bowl game my senior year. I was down there before the new year. And so I'm training all the way up until this time with a singular focus. I don't have school anymore. I don't have anything else. And you get prepared for not only the combine, but then your pro day. And as a quarterback, right, everybody's going to market that. And he completed 71 out of 73 passes. And I remember going to the combine. It's like, just complete the ball. Who cares what it looks like? You don't want to come in there and start, like, throwing one in the dirt and worm burn one or do anything like that. Just complete the passes of what's going on. And then, you know, you break out into your own sessions and do all these different things. So there, each position has their own category within the excesses of the world okay you're going to do these drills you're going to be fine-tuned in exactly what you need to do to put your best foot forward now our producer jim omahundra leaves no stone unturned he has gone back and dug up the combine results back in 2007 for drew stanton 40 yard dash 4.77 i don't I, Again, that's disputable. Oh, yeah, we talked about that. Like you run it twice, I feel like that was my slower time. If we're being honest. All right, let me ask you this though: When did you ever run forty yards playing in the National Football League? That's a good question. See, that's where you at. See, that's that's why that's why for quarterbacks, I don't pay too much attention to the forty yard dash. I don't at all, and most of the time, I'm running for my life because I'm scared. Anyway, nobody's chasing (laughs) me in the forty yard draft. I don't have to move faster then, so that's an outlier. Now the three cone. 6.77 6.77 seconds. I liked that number a lot. 96% yeah. 
versatile four quarterbacks that year. Yeah, no, that was good. That was shifty. <laughs> I'll take that. And then the vertical, yeah, we already talked about the vertical. And the Wonderlick, 35? Yeah, that that just test that that's a test taking ability. That's all it is. But thirty five is a good number. I didn't I didn't you know, it was no Ryan Fitzpatrick by any means, but I feel like that's a good number that you know, isn't gonna be a red flag, like I said. Did did he actually score a forty nine because he didn't want to get a fifty? Who knows? Maybe. I don't know. The guy is awesome. <laughs> I mean, the the time that I've spent around him, uh, I mean, and everybody that's been teammates with him, I fully believe it. And it was funny because sometimes you get into these conversations, right? Like last year I was messing with Blaine Gabbert, and I was like, Blaine, I, you're not smarter than me. <laughs> My Wonderlick score is higher. He's like, no, it's not. Let's go look it up. He got like a 48. He had an unreal score too. Like, wow. Yeah. So, you know, these guys that are out there, as long as, you, like I said, you don't have a red flag within that area, and some of those guys that are too smart, you know, they're just good at taking tests. That's all that means. Can you name the quarterbacks that were selected before you? In my draft class, yeah, of course I can. Um, Jamarcus was Jamarcus Russell went first, um, then Brady Quinn, Kevin Cobb, and John Beck, and then I was the fifth one. So uh-huh. not quite the Brady seven, no, but the no, Stanton no, four. No, yeah, no, there's that was. <laughs> That was then, but uh, I remember Mike Mayock said that Jamarcus Russell had the best pro day ever. I mean, what did it translate to? Yeah, well, so I knew Jamarcus (laughs) when he was in college, right, and and got to know him, and an awesome, awesome guy, and so much God-given ability and talent. But as you find out in this league, it takes a lot more than just showing up and playing on Sundays. That's true. It does. So. What happens this week in Indianapolis? Again, some of those numbers I don't pay too much attention to. It's it's great conversation piece, MJ, but just, again, I tell mean, me what you're doing I, on I game think, day. I think, right. Well, we know it takes time, but we also have Stafford's numbers here, and they're very equal to Drew Stanton. Yes. Stafford's a little bit smarter, but just not as athletic yeah. as Drew. Is that, <laughs> that's that fair? Yeah, with the same vertical, though. Wow. <laughs> Yikes. Subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Listen to your favorite shows on the go. The Day Patch Podcast, Cardinals Underground, Cardinals Cover 2, The Big Red Rage, and, of course, this show, the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. When we come back, the offseason, who will benefit the most from this offseason? As we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, presented by SeatGeek, Get your seats in a seat. Craig Riolu, Drew Stanton, and Mike Drecke here. We do it every Tuesday, 11 a.m., year-round, talking all things Arizona Cardinals football here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. The Cardinals are in third and goal at the 13th. So you just got to be smart. Brown splits, quick throw to the left side, caught by Hopkins at the 10, slips a tackle, runs left to the 5, into the end zone for the touchdown! Wow, DeAndre Hopkins broke a tackle. It looked like he was dead to rights, but he spun out of there, hits pay dirt, Arizona leads at 13-0. DeAndre's impact on the field and off the field, it, it's huge. And losing him, uh, not only from a football X's and O's standpoint, but also from an emotional standpoint, was, was big. The numbers are staggering. Eight and two with, three and four without. DeAndre Hopkins missing seven games last season. 
Cardinals in those games. Again, just three wins on the season. As we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, presented by SeatGeek, get your seats in a seat. Craig Rayo, Lou Drew Stanton, and Mike Jarecki, the voice you heard there, owner Michael Bidwell, last week on Bickley and Murata, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station, and the impact that losing DeAndre Hopkins had, not just on the offense, but the team overall. And we've joked, MJ, that, I would love to see DeAndre Hopkins just wrapped in bubble wrap and say, you know what, I don't care what you do, just show up on Sunday 100% and ready to go. That's not going to happen because now in the offseason you need to get that work in, get that chemistry with your starting quarterback and Kyler Murray. And this is when the work begins for these players heading into the 2022 regular season. And Kingsbury and, and Hopkins actually, you know, addressed where he is, so he should be ready for off-season workouts. I don't know how much he's going to do. I mean, clearly, uh, you know, in training camp is really, um, again, they're not installing a new offense. Obviously, you may have some tweaks to the office based on the personnel. So I don't know how much he'll do, but to me, you just make sure he's ready for the regular season. That's beneficial, yes, to keep him healthy for the entire time because of how important he is. Now, we'll see what happens here in the offseason as far as a draft and free agency, whether some help can be added as far as wide receiver help. But when you talk about offseason workouts, Drew, and again, I'll be honest, don't know what offseason workouts are going to look like based off of what has happened the previous two seasons and the NFLPA understanding that, hey, you know, we got through two years with very limited offseason work. But the onus is on the players, is it not, to get ready, not use training camp to get ready, but show up ready and put in the work right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is, you know, when I first got in the NFL, as you were dating me back to 2007, (laughs) I mean, we would start in the beginning of March, and you would have all this downtime, but it gave you so much time to prepare. I mean, this is your job. This is how you make a living. And so you'd get in there, and you would relearn the offense. You'd start back over and do all these things. You'd get up to speed working out. Now guys are forced to do that, and – as you're talking about the NFLPA, a lot of the people that are running the NFLPA are veterans, right? And veterans just got done with the season. They are fine with taking this extended break. They know the offense. They know what it takes to get ready for a season. And they also want to keep their job, right? So, like, all of those things go into it. And so some of these guys, even as we saw this year in training camp, they had, like, the extended training camp of some of these injuries that you might, you know, want to get back sooner from they just kind of draw it out because they know it's a longer season they know it's a longer training camp and you've got to be ready to go week one and veterans know what that takes young guys you've got to figure out your process what is your process to getting ready and i think the biggest detriment of this type of an off-season program is in the trenches that's where nfl games are won but offensive linemen and defensive linemen don't have the ability to get together or do any of these things to talk about it because you have to be able to do that i mean we talked at nauseum about gap integrity around here on defense when you're doing, you can't go up and simulate that on your own in the offense, but uh, in the off season. But when you have the ability to do that because you're forced to come into the building and you talk about it, you're working out together. That camaraderie is built then, and that's I think what is you know unfortunate about this is young guys trying to find their way and get these opportunities because they're so limited. Now that becomes even harder. So initially in March they'll have the strength and conditioning program. That's where Ivy obviously is going to lift weights and they can do some conditioning. And then the two weeks later they're all to be on the field without coaches. They do have a mandatory uh, mini camp at some point, and you know usually it's five practices. Sometimes they'll call the last one off, but but we got to keep in mind a lot of this is voluntary. Mm-hmm. But it is your job. And we were having lunch outside yesterday when they made the announcement about playing in Mexico, we had a nice little siesta there, and uh, J.J. Watt was running on the field. I mean, so there's guys that can still show up here. Obviously, he's under contract, a little bit different than other guys, but 
Um, you know, I, I thought last year when you start to see guys make strides, I mean, you looked at Byron Murphy, looked like his body got a lot you know, stronger. Chase Edmonds, when James Conner was here. So you can, it's more passing the eye test. What kind of shape are you in? And are you going to put the work in when nobody's watching? And that's key right there, when no one is watching, not when the cameras are rolling or will you have to show up and, you know, check the bark, you know, attended today, and then you do what you have to do, and then you're done for the rest of the day. But there is a hope that there will be a full off season. something owner Michael Bidwell discussed last week on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. It looks like these COVID clouds are clearing. And when you think about the off seasons, you know, the draft choices never have a full off season, as you know. But after that, we never had a full off season program with Kyler Murray in this offense. It was all interrupted by the COVID rules. So they were not working out in the off season. So it looks like this year we'll have a full off season with this offense. And I couldn't be more excited about what that is going to yield. Specifically, when you hear him talk about draft picks, Rondell Moore and the improvement that he might be able to make from year one to year two. Defensively, Zayvon Collins from year one to year two. We saw Isaiah Simmons make that jump from year one to year two. And I think it's key, Drew, what you said as far as not so much for the veterans, but for those young talents. And I would include Kyler Murray still being young going into year four. Those players benefit the most, especially when you're in an offense that throws the ball a lot. Yeah, I mean, you're not drinking from a fire hose week in and week out. When you're in season, it is go, 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 go. You don't have time to reflect. Now you get a chance to slow down, pull back. You get to go back, and, and Kyler has an unbelievable amount of tape already out there that he can learn from, he can grow from. But then guys, the other guys that you talked about, right, these guys can start watching cut-ups. Things can get pushed to their iPad. They can do all of this stuff individually at each position because now they can focus on something, whether it's a wide receiver just taking one concept and trying to learn that whole concept in its entirety. Um, you know, as we're talking about and as this marks the combine, right, This is these college guys have been going since all the way since last summer. And now they're coming in, they're preparing for this combine. Now they're going to get the pro days, they're going to get drafted. That's fast forward. That's why you see these guys hit these rookie walls, these rookie walls that everybody speaks about. They're real, and it happens because they're going nonstop and trying to put their best foot forward. But they get this reprieve going into this offseason. They get this opportunity to then the Zayvon Collins of the world to learn the nuances of the offense. And it's not just surface level, right? You get to get deep and and all of a sudden, okay, so if we if they send a motion here, if they shift here, we get the opportunity to then prepare, and that's really where we want to see a lot of growth. I think these guys can make those monster monstrous jumps from year one to year two because they're more comfortable, and, and you're going to see the Isaiah Simmons of the world because he's got so much tape now. Okay, what were you thinking here? What was going on there? That's the beauty of being able to do this. And the fact that we live here in Arizona, people want to be here. Guys want to be around. In Green Bay, that's why you see so many of these workout bonuses because it forces guys to stay there to get paid. You don't have to force anybody in Arizona to, to do that, and I think it's a testament and an advantage of being a part of this organization. I mean, I knew when I was going to be a free agent, I want to stay here as long as possible with Buddy Morris because he's the best strength coach in the NFL. Uh, the best that I've ever been around. And so I went all the way up knowing that I wasn't even going to resign here. <laughs> like they were like, they had, they had gotten Steve Wilkes in and, and the writing was on the wall. They wanted to flush out the quarterback room, but I was staying here until the new league started and they were kicking me out of the building. And some of these guys would be smart to do the same. You know, it's interesting thing is, you know, these guys have been, you know, patted on the back, how great they are, you know, from family and agents and mock drafts. And then they go on the, uh, the banquet tour and they, you know, but when they get drafted, it's time to go to work. 
I mean, because all of a sudden now this is your job. This is your profession. So, you know, hopefully they can have visits where you can take guys out for dinner because you want to take them out of this setting, you know, from the facility. You know, obviously you want to get to know the player and the person and the personality. But um, it's, it's interesting because once they get drafted, it's like, okay, this is really, really when it starts. I've put all the work in. And how is it going to translate to the NFL? Well, at that point, everyone's equal. Whether you signed as a free agent, you're a veteran, you're a draft pick, or an undrafted free agent, you line up 100 players on the football field, and everyone's the same. And they'll tell you. I mean, obviously, first, second, third-round picks have more premium because, you know, you're investing in them. But a lot of of GMs and head coaches, they really don't care how you got here. It's what you're going to do to be part of that 53-man roster. Can you help us win a ball game on Sunday, no matter how you got here? Now, there might be a little bit more leeway for a first-round draft pick, a second-round draft pick, that free agent that just signed a five-year mega contract. But, yeah, those players, can you do enough to win the eye of the head coach so you're active on game day? this upcoming season. So, again, this offseason is going to be amazing, not only on the field, but off the field as well as far as what this team does to get itself back in the postseason in 2022. Episode 26 of the Day Patch podcast featuring Pac-12 Commissioner George Klivkoff is available now wherever you get your podcast For the latest updates on the Day Patch podcast, follow along on Twitter at PashPod. We've hit halftime here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat when we come back. More on the offseason, but specifically free agency, which begins in a matter of days, a little over a couple of weeks for the Arizona Cardinals. We'll get to that next here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. the gun, takes the shotgun snap, stands, looks, now backs up, goes off his back foot, one-handed catch, Connor over the middle of the 10, inside the 10 and down to the five-yard line for an 18-yard game. What a grab, he does it in back-to-back weeks with one-handed catches. Go, go, Gadget, stab the pig. They run Connor up the middle, he's stuffed, but he breaks a tackle and gets into the end zone for a touchdown. James Conner continues to be one of the best free agent signings maybe ever for the Cardinals. They're going to go Wildcat. Jonathan Ward in the backfield with Conner who takes the snap. Conner runs left. He's down to the five. He keeps the feet moving. James Conner is into the end zone for the touchdown. 18 touchdowns from James Conner in 2021. 18, a career high for him. 15 Rushing touchdowns tied for the most in the league. And, yeah, a huge free agent pickup a year ago. And now perhaps another free agent pickup this offseason because he just signed a one-year deal, MJ, and he is once again on the markets. And there probably will be more than just the Arizona Cardinals come knocking on his door when free agency begins in the middle of March. Well, I mean, I think the days are over unless you're Derek Henry, Elvin Cook, maybe even Elvin Kamara. Um and these guys getting these long contracts like Todd Gurley and David Johnson got. Now, according to John Clayton, he doesn't think any of these running backs are going to get over average $6 million a year. And if you look at the list, Melvin Gordon won, and then it's James Conner and Chase Edmonds. So this can benefit the Arizona Cardinals. I don't know if they want to bring both back. Obviously, you'd like to have both in the locker room and on the field. Uh, they also signed Jalen Samuels, who's got 45 starts. He's kind of similar to Conner's size. So we'll have to wait and see. But if you're James Conner, what, 27? 
you probably want to get more than a one-year deal. And we know it running backs start to hit the wall at 30. Now, I do think in this offense, and we go back to Kenyon Drake, I think Kingsbury likes to ride the hot hand. And he could be the bell cow in this offense. James Conner, free agent. Chase Edmonds, a free agent. So you're looking at running back as an area of need going into this offseason, most likely in free agency. You certainly would like to have Conner back. But if not, because you get to a point where he says, I'd love to come back, but hey, you know what? I got this offer over here. It's worth more. And at 27, your perhaps final chance at a huge payday, I could see him going for the money versus, you know, where I'm used the best just based off longevity in the National Football League. But for me, Drew, I would love to see James (laughs) Conner come back, not at any price, but just what we saw within this offense. Let me ask you, though, Drew. I mean, we always talk about, yes, you got to cash in, but he fits this offense what the offense wants him to do. I mean, is he going to go somewhere else where he's going to be the one-two punch? He's going to be the short yardage guy? So, again, I can't speak for him. He's got to do what's best for him and his family, and he's earned the right to be a free agent. But I just think he fits what they're doing here, and that may not be the case somewhere else. Yeah, well, and I think when you become a veteran, you see the bigger picture, right? You don't chase the money, um, and that's one thing that I think is important is you become – wiser in this league and you see how all of it fits together you look for the opportunity and the money will follow and he he followed a great opportunity here because the money wasn't great anywhere right and i think it's a testament to him it's how he works but playing on natural grass practicing on natural grass working out with buddy morris so those guys go way back from being pittsburgh guys like all of those things and you see what james was able to do throughout the course of an entire season right like he he didn't show any wear and tear when he had to be that bell cow and so i think it gives you confidence but then it also gives you reassurance of knowing i can go back there i just want to be compensated and the off season is a, is a time to be selfish but it's also you're going to have to open up the checkbook a little bit more you're going to have to be you know, cognizant that there's other teams that are are going to be in the fight, and you've got to show that respect to him. That's a guy that's earned it to me, a guy that showed up each and every Sunday, gave it everything he had, and changed the mindset of that offense. I mean, one play that sticks out to me maybe more than any of the entire season is when Aaron Donald had him dead to rights on the goal line, and he and he found a way to get in the end zone. I don't know many backs in the NFL that are winning that matchup, let alone anybody else, and maybe there's a handful, but his demeanor, that's infectious. That leadership qualities that he has, I don't want to lose that, and I'm willing to pay more for that versus some of these other guys that are still like you're betting on the come with free agency or, or other things and the moving pieces, but it's all got to fit together in the grand scheme. March 16th is the date of free agency and the new league year. The legal tampering period begins on March 14th. The voice of the Arizona Cardinals Dave Pash recently on the Big Red Rage talked about what free agency might look like for the Arizona Cardinals. I think it'll be active and I think it starts with re-signing your key players. I would assume that James Conner and Zach Ertz are at the top of the list and then you know trying to figure out okay what free agents do we need to target what trades do we need to make and then I think the draft is your last tool that you use to improve your team because you're you're that close. Uh, you know, you've built your team. Now it's adding that piece that can get you over the top. 21 unrestricted free agents. That's what the Cardinals have at the moment. So you try to re-sign as many of those as you can, but then you got to look elsewhere to maybe plug a hole for a year or two. Where does this team need an upgrade? Again, the voice, Dave Pash, on that topic. For me, it's defense. 
you know, the defensive line, you know, was disappointing. A corner, they're young. Byron Murphy was great the first half, wasn't as good the second half. And, you know, inside linebacker, it's, you know, at some point, you know, whether it's going out and get somebody else, I mean, outside linebacker for that matter, you know, do you bring back Chandler Jones at his age, uh, given the, the money that he's going to attract on the open market? And then, you know, your, your draft picks the last two years. Isaiah Simmons took a step. He's got to take another step. Zayvon Collins has to be a factor. A number of different positions, Drew, when you hear that as far as offense and defense, but positions that you think that this team needs to upgrade, whether that's a re-sign or go out and plug a hole. Ooh, well, I think you're always looking for ways to improve, and Dave did a tremendous job of kind of setting the tone for that and even closing the door on this thought, I would draft a running back every single year. I think these two young guys that we have are great, and Eno Benjamin and Jonathan Ward, I'd be excited to see them play more, but every single year I'd be drafting a wide receiver and a running back, because you can find a diamond in the rough later on. Um, as far as those guys up front, you want to be able to find that. Um, the hard positions are the corners of the world. I mean, you get Marco Wilson, you move up to get him, and, and hopefully he can continue to progress and do all that. I'm going to throw a name out there right now because I've been thinking about this. If they can find a way to get Calais Campbell back here, I think it would be unbelievable because those are the type of guys that are kind of on the last leg. You know what you're going to get out of him. He wants to be in Arizona. He has a place here. Whatever that cost is to be able to bring a, a household name back like that because, unfortunately, I was here when he left, and that was that one hurt because you know what he brings to not only the team but the organization to the city. Guys like that that are veteran guys see the bigger picture getting guys back like that because he can still eat up gaps he can do all these things he can inspire these young guys and lead by example um and still you know can still play at a high level when he's healthy so uh those are those are the pieces that you kind of have to put back together the aj greens where you sign a one-year deal and say okay if he can play a pro bowl caliber level then that's worth and justifying that millions of dollars so it's a chess match of doing it um Free agent corners are hard to find. I think that's the biggest thing. You look at safety, and everybody feels good with those two guys. I mean, those guys are as good as it gets in this league, and then it's progressing some of these guys with a full off season. A slot corner I would love to see because you see these guys in, in this division in particular, these shifty guys that are inside the Cooper Cups of the world, the Tyler Lockett's. You're going to be able to have to do that. Debo Samuel, you want somebody that can make tackles on the inside but then also cover and be able to shut down a tight end, do all these things so you can get multiple like Vance wants to do. When I look at the uh, outside linebacker position, I think, you know, Hassan Reddick, we'll see if he gets the tag put on him. And then, you know, Zach Cunningham is a guy that went to Tennessee and he played really well. So he's an inside linebacker. The Cardinals did have interest in him. Reddick, 27 again. He potentially could be tagged by the Carolina Panthers. Calais Campbell's an interesting one, Drew, just because of his age at 35, but still – even at that age, you know, is it a one-year, two-year oh, yeah. deal? Just but coming back yeah. to where it all began, full mm-hmm. circle, for someone that is beloved in this market. Yeah, I'm putting it out there. You okay. know what? We'll, just, we'll see. I, I don't. I, have, I can't speak for Calais, but I think it would be a very intriguing fit for a team that's good and close, like you said. You've got to fill these roster spots each and every different way, and what that looks like. But that's the guy to me that I would love to be able to go to uh, battle with. Do you have any dreams of being a general manager or working in a front office? Yeah, I would love to. I just I don't have to make any decisions. I'm just going <laughs> to sit and talk with you guys. You know, my my livelihood doesn't depend on it. But no, I think playing quarterback, right, and being able to be in the background, you see how it all fits together. And like you said, what you do when people aren't watching. Um, 
but your teammates are always watching. And that's the most important thing. And that's when it comes down to crunch time, can you rely on the guy next to you? And I can wholeheartedly say that Calais Campbell is somebody I could rely on. Chandler Jones is somebody I could rely on. Rodney Hudson, those are the type of people that you want to build through in free agency. James Conner, same type of way. Zach Ertz, I'd make him a premium to get him back. You want him pass catching, being able to do all the things that he can do because he's been there, he's done that. Colt McCoy is a no-brainer for me to bring back because of keeping that continuity in the quarterback room as you just try and progress. So, yeah. By the way, it wasn't a move in free agency, but it was the first big move of the offseason. One year ago today, J.J. Watt broke his own news. He and the Cardinals had reached agreements on a two-year contract, and that certainly changed the narrative of the offseason in 2021. What's the narrative of this offseason? Whether that happens before free agency, during free agency, or the draft in April. It's going to be fascinating here, and we'll follow it all on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat. Craig Rayola, Drew Stanton, and Mike Jarecki on the other side. News of the week. And that the Arizona Cardinals know where they will be playing at least one of their games, not at State Farm Stadium or within the continental United States. We'll get to that. Says the schedule. A little peek behind the curtain. That's up next here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Look for a shot into the end zone here. Johnson and Lee to the left, Bolden and Fitzgerald to the right. I'm at Ajo back to help protect Josh McCown. Third and one of the 17, McCown back to throw, going to lock. Into the end zone, far side, Fitzgerald goes up, touchdown! Arizona! Larry Fitzgerald with his second of the year! That was in 2005. Dave Pash, Ron Wolfley, the Cardinals and 49ers in Mexico City. Cardinals won that game 31-14. to And though it was scheduled two years ago, the pandemic erased that. But the Cardinals once again scheduled to play in Mexico City here in 2022. The specific opponent, the date, the kickoff time, not known. But the NFL did announce that five teams will be playing international games and the Cardinals one of those teams in 2022 which brings to mind that last time the Cardinals played in Mexico City 2005 little nuggets or some more information on that it was one of our Cardinals folktales episodes one time in Mexico What were your thoughts on playing in Mexico, first of all? It was great. It's a great experience to get outside the world. and, uh, and just The a- world? <laughs> <laughs> you know how we do it. I thought it was uh, one of the biggest moments of my career, believe it or not. I mean, 195, 200 games, but the way Stadio Azteca and the Mexican people reacted to that flag... I, I got goosebumps under here. I mean, it was absolutely in fuego. <laughs> We're about to come into the biggest arena in Latin America. And I think Estadio Azteca really brought it that day. A cargo de su coach and jefe, Dennis Green y los Cardenales de Arizona. Is this actually happening? An NFL professional game is being played here, one that counts. It actually happened. It definitely counted, and it will always stand 
as NFL history. An amazing scene. Flash bulbs popping for the first ever National Football League regular season game abroad. That's right. Never before had an NFL regular season game been played outside the United States. This is Cardinals Folktales, presented by 72 Soul, where we go in-depth into Cardinals history, all-time anecdotes through the personal recollections and memories of those who lived it. It was in freaking incredible. It was you know, the birth of international football for the NFL. The full audio podcast entitled One Time in Mexico can be found by searching Cardinals Folktales wherever you get your podcasts. Also go to azcardinals.com. Over 103,000 fans in 2005 watched the Cardinals beat the 49ers 31-14. to We'll see how many are in attendance this season coming up when the Cardinals go back to Mexico City. Drew, did you have an opportunity to play internationally at all oh i don't want to talk about it that's when we went to london carson carson got hurt and that, that one uh against the rams yeah. was not good so I, I don't have fond memories of that but let's let's focus on mexico city because that that would be much better and more fun to do and, and i think it's great for you're talking about in general of growing this sport and what we try to do uh as professional athletes i, I think within the realm of that and being able to go south um and be in a crowd in an environment like that that's so different but expand the sport because that's what we're trying to do uh, i think it's fantastic and i think it's great that the arizona cardinals will be able to do that um and you feel the energy you feed off of that energy when you're in a stadium and uh you know, I'm excited for them to be able to experience it league is also going back to london and for the first time mj germany as well so this is what the nfl wants to do to expand its brand and go global and that's what they're that's what they have done and that's what they're continuing to do here in 2022 yeah and this is the first time that the green bay packers will play in they're the 32nd team for all those years now clearly they must have nine home games and they're going to give one up now it's going to be a neutral site um they don't have to designate who the home team is even though you're giving up a home game there yeah you get the the buccaneers and you talked about the Saints and, and the Packers in Jacksonville. So, you know, it, I, I just think, you know, we've made major progress from the pandemic where you can have these games. The Cardinals were supposed to play in Mexico in 2020, and the game was canceled, so they were up on the list. Um, and, again, I couldn't agree more with Drew about just growing the game. And, you know, it was funny watching that game when they kicked extra points and field goals. There was more, like, excitement just because they're so used to football and soccer there. So it was – but <clears> – <throat> You know, I think Rolando can too. We'll do a nice, uh, you know, uh, preview. He does football camps there. So, we'll, I mean, clearly the team's going to treat it like another week, I would assume. Um, if it's a game's on a Sunday or Monday, you just leave a couple days earlier. But I was reading Josh McCown's comments just about the altitude. And he said the ball was in the first quarter of the game. He said it was just he was sailing like, and the Cardinals would have to get used to that. And obviously, both teams would have to get used to the altitude. Over seven thousand feet. Maybe you go in a day or two early. It's not a typical travel, so you give yourself an opportunity, Drew, to perhaps get used to that altitude. Because you know whether you're playing you know a division opponents or non-division opponent, it's still one of seventeen that you got on the schedule. Yeah, you do everything you can, especially in that week. You have those blinders on. So, I mean, I would imagine if there are all these different things you need to get acclimated to, you'd leave on a Friday if the game's on Sunday, because you want to get out there, you want to get prepared, and we have no idea which games count and 
for what and how it's going to shake out uh, depending on the opponent that they have. So, yeah, you get there, and if the altitude really is that much higher, then, then you can adjust, you can adapt, you can get out there Saturday and, and have a light jog through or anything like that, and you throw the ball around a little bit. Um, and it'll be interesting to see uh, what their takeaways are this time around versus 2005. Now, back in December, the league awarded marketing licenses in Mexico to nine teams. Cardinals were one of those nine teams. Also on that list, 49ers, Rams, and Chiefs. The reason I bring those three teams up is because those three teams are also on the Cardinals' list of home opponents. So perhaps maybe it is a division game, or maybe you got the Chiefs and Cardinals playing in Mexico City. No, I want to see the Chiefs at State Farm Stadium. We'll, we'll deal with the uh, division games. Selfish Payback. Speaking, you Payback want... to the Rams, 49ers, or Seahawks. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I want to see the Chiefs at State Farm Stadium. Patrick I, Mahomes I, I, live. I bet okay. the Chiefs. I bet the Chiefs. That international game is going to be too good for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. <laughs> I want to that, see. Yeah. I want to see Patrick Mahomes and the Cardinals maybe on a Sunday night, Monday night football in September. Okay. And the Cardinals. Is that asking for too much? No. No. We're... The roof open too. In September? Yeah. Well, you guys have a lot of ass. <laughs> uh, out. Yeah. I'll, I'll hold it off on that. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll have to mark this down and see how accurate you guys are when that schedule well, gets released. Well, we're, we're spitballing May. here, Greenloo. Right. Okay, well, we'll see. And if it is become true, then we know that Drew carries a lot of weight, <laughs> not only around here, but uh, maybe the entire National Football League. Special thanks to our senior broadcast manager and producer, Jim Omohundro, technical director, Lauren Koval. For Drew Stanton and Mike Jarecki, I'm Greg Riolu. This has been the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat. We will talk to you in one week's time. Post combine and a week before free agency officially begins. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Kirk, he got it! He's in! Touchdown! Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score! Touchdown! Oh, baby! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown! Cardinals win! This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.